that's like hallelujah in 2017. Yay. Yay. <laughs> all right, I'm going to grab my drink here. I'm moving a little slow. That's all right. It's the last day. We had a party. We had a, we had a blowout last night, so now we can just be mellow today. <laughs> Is that good? Woo, I feel it. All right, I, I'm hoping that uh, you guys will uh, join me online August 10th for August's webinar. It's called Living from the Secret Place. And this message, like pretty much every message that you hear me teach, is designed to help you build a foundation in your doctrinal world, a foundation, a solid foundation of union with God. Uh, Because we have so much teaching and preaching and just bombardment by so many different sources of teaching, frankly, that is not built on a foundation of union. And when you're not built on a foundation of union, you end up with works. You end up with formulas. You end up with something you have to do to experience God, commune with God, please God, you name it, right? It's your effort. And so, for example, when most of us think of the secret place, what do we think of? Psalm what? Psalm 91. He who dwells under the shadow, right, of the Almighty shall abide, right? Where? No, what, sorry, I'm, I can't even say the scripture. Say it for me. Most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I do know it. It's just, again, my mind, just little Holy Ghost mush. Right. Shall, shall dwell in the secret place of the Most High. So when we hear secret place, we think of this wonderful psalm, and we think about abiding under the shadow of the Almighty and being safe. The, the Lord is a strong child. We think about all these Old Testament scriptures and ways of relating to God, and we have a million of them. And we worship from them. We pray from them. We commune with God from them. But the secret place for every single person that is in this room, whether you realize it or not, is a person. And his name is Jesus. And your life is now hidden in him. And you have a secret place inside of God himself. And you dwell there and you abide there 24-7, whether you are aware of it or not. Like John likes to say, this is the drunkest, happiest, most joyful day of your life, whether you know it or not. Because you have been grafted in, baptized in, sucked into the black hole of Jesus Christ. Never to be found again. (laughs) And so, but it's not just meant to be a place that you visit. It's meant to be a place you abide. Abiding in the vine is abiding in a person. And that's so theoretical. There's so many things that we think. They're theoretical, aren't they? Like, they're just, like, abiding the vine. Like, what do I do? Do I step in? Do I connect out? Do I, like, how do I do it? How do I actually do that? Like, it tells me abide in the vine and you'll be fruitful. Wow, and the heck do you do that? Right? So this, this particular webinar is about abiding and knowing how to do that and about living out of a a constant place 
of union and communion. And I can tell you that this is where life begins. This is where, when Jesus said, lose your life, he wasn't talking about some self-depreciation, some mutilation, some false humility. I'm a sinner. I'm so worthless. I'm just going to lose my life. No, he was saying, take mine. This is where living begins. So this webinar, and I'll tell you, I join these webinars because no matter what they're called, I'm pretty much going to weave something in about this. You know, I have a, I'm like, you know, five million ways to say you're one with God, right? <laughs> so uh, it's going to be good. It's August 10th. There's a replay. So if you can't make it on that date or whatever, go ahead, sign up, and you always get the replay from it. Matter of fact, the one I just did, you can sign up and get the replay for that one. That one was called Spending Your Inheritance. And if you go to my Facebook page, there's a link. Um, if you go to the events page on my website, you can still log on to that and get the replay. So the feedback on that one has just has been really great. So the Supernatural Summer Series. So we actually meet here every Sunday night. Uh, we meet at 5, and uh, we uh, just uh, engage in more of this. <laughs> this is what we got to do. And... Uh, yeah, so come. Uh, we do all, we just, every week's a little bit different. We're kind of in a series like right now. I've been kind of going for something this summer because uh, I don't know about you, but I get mad. I get irritated with like a holy, righteous indignation at the persistent issues that exist in people's lives these giants that we, some of us have been dealing with for years, right? Whether it's a sickness or it's a financial issue or a relational issue or a mental health issue or whatever. And it's, I get frustrated and I get irritated that the church is not manifesting the fullness of our inheritance in Christ, and that we live with this theoretical Jesus, and that we really are pretty much all unbelievers, I'm just honest, you know, we should have a bet. We should have more manifestation of what Jesus accomplished in our lives. And I, I mean, I'm talking to myself too. I mean, I, you know, but I get frustrated. I'm like, God, this is not a theoretical message. This is not a mental assenting message. Like this actually happened. Like Jesus was a real person and he actually came and he actually died. And there's a human being now sitting up in the middle of the Trinity that we now live and move and have our being in. We're right up there in the family. I mean, we are enjoying the relational perfection and perfect love that exists in the Trinity because of who Jesus is. You know, and, but it's, it's, we, sometimes we don't even know it. We forget or we forget it. There's a million reasons why, right? And so I came into the summer like, dang it. <laughs> I'm going after this thing. I'm taking, we're taking, I'm gonna, we're going to kick down some giants this, this summer. We're going to face these, these, this unbelief. We're going to face this unbelief in our life and we're going to be transformed. We're going to be transfigured by the renewing of our minds and we're not going to shrink back from, from that. You know, we're, 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 because it, you, 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 it becomes normal. 
it just becomes a normal way of being. And that is like, no, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's more there, you know, there's more to know. (laughs) So we're going for that. And we've got, it's been a fun thing. I mean, it's been a fun time. So come and join us on Sunday nights. It's also on the podcast. So if you live out of state and can't join us, you can go to iTunes and, um, subscribe to the Shalice podcast. Uh, so you can subscribe to that. If you don't have iTunes, we are in the process right now of working to get that, um, onto uh, the podcast onto my blog and have another way to get it from the website. Uh, but until then I've just been sending out the links to all of my subscribers on my email list every Friday. So if you aren't on the email list, go to Shalice.com, sign up on the email list. Every Friday you get an update. It's called, you know, this week in Shalice world. And, um, it's like Wayne's world. Truthfully, (laughs) but, um, uh, but, um, in that every single week, what we do is you'll get, you know, links to the podcast for sure. But I also do this weekly word from God. It's called kisses from heaven. And if you aren't getting those, how many of you actually get those and just say what you say something that, so I don't have to say something good about myself. They're amazing. They're awesome. Okay, good. Thank you. I, I, they're intimate. But yeah, what, what they are, first of all, is they're union focused. For whatever reason, daddy has a lot to say. Uh, I sit down with him every week and I just hear what he's saying for you for the week. And it's always about who you are and what belongs to you and stop being so hard on yourself and it's so just the father's voice. And um, so sign up for that. And then along with that, there's a YouTube teaching. So we just launched that like a month ago. So we're just early in Shalice TV because I'm super narcissistic and I want everything to be about my name. Um, and, you know, I just, I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I was dealing with some Facebook comments last night on my last video. So we'll see how this goes. Pray for me. Pray for me to have the love of Jesus in my, the love of Jesus in my Facebook comments and in my responses. But um, it's funny how the religious spirit fights you to work for something that already belongs to you and how the religious spirit fights to be poor and calls it humble, how the religious spirit fights to still be a sinner when they were crucified with Christ and they call that, you know, humble. By, by, by identifying as a sinner, I'm humble. No, you're deceived. You're, you're deceived is what you're, 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 yes, you're ignorant. You're ignorant, but you're just flat out. You're just, you're, you're, you're just don't know the truth. And, um, and you're going to manifest who you believe you are. So if you believe it's humble to be poor, well, then you're going to be, guess who's going to be poor. And guess who's not going to have a a thing to bless other people with or build the kingdom or exemplify the character of God with, right? Yeah. And if you believe you're a sinner, well, guess what you're going to do? You're going to look no different than the people that have never met Jesus. So anyway, it's amazing to me how that, 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 Christians, Christians like to fight with you over these things. It's like, I'm like, come on, we're not, you know, I did. I said that out loud to you. All right. Um, you know, there's a scripture. There's a scripture that we misquote a lot. That the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Well, that's wrong. That's not what it says. It says the knowledge of the glory will cover the earth 
as the waters cover the sea. And here's the deal. You know, before I moved out here to Colorado, I had a series of open visions. And I had no intention of moving. I wasn't interested. I wasn't trying to move. I was just, I was planted up in Chicago. I was enjoying my, joining ministry there. I uh, had, you know, I, I told you about scary Jesus last night. I mean, we were seeing, cr- I was crazy. I was having a blast. And I had started to have these series of visions. And in these visions, I saw this place. I now know that it was Pikes Peak. And um, I saw this, I don't know what to call it, except it was just this, uh, I hate saying move of God. I hate that. Uh, why do I hate that? Because really the awakening that's happened, it's a reality. It's not a move that's going to come and go. Uh, this is, there's a reality that we're awakening to that is going to stay. It's not like a revival where we have a visitation. We had a visitation. And, you know, I'm not against revival necessarily, but I'd rather see the sons of God actually manifest. I'd actually see what Jesus, I'd like to see what Jesus died for actually manifest, right? And so in this series of open visions, what I saw was this, the, this reality that people were awakening to the glory of the inheritance that is in the saints. Because that's the glory of God is in the saints. <laughs> Think about it. John taught on the scripture, which I have a, did a whole thing on this called experiencing the fullness of the Godhead. But think about it. All, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. And then it says, and in you, because you are in him. And if you're in him, then the fullness of Godhead that's in him is also in you. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That it's in you, and we're in Christ. And so there's this, the, where's the glory? Where's the glory? Where's the glory? It's inside of us. And so the knowledge of the glory is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea when the church wakes up and has the knowledge of the glory. And so this place was a place of transfiguration. It was a place where God's kids were coming to be revealed to themselves. To themselves, right? And so really that's what Emerge is about. It's about this union reality. And transformation or transfiguration happening the way that Romans 2 says it happens. By the renewing of your mind by changing the way that you think, by, by, by believing the gospel. <laughs> right? Right, right. And so today I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about this. I wanted to talk about this lens of union and how getting this established in your relationship with God, 
you are, and I'm just going to say it this way, you are going to struggle. It's not a prophecy. It's just a fact. You will struggle in your relationship with God and in your relationship with yourself and frankly, with the relationships of everybody else around you (laughs) until you really get rooted and grounded in the love of God, which which is expressed through the life, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Through the incarnation of Jesus, the love of God is fully expressed. It's the perfect expression of love. It is perfect. It's what casts out fear. The foundation, the foundation, and I'm not saying that you won't have encounters with God. I'm not saying you can't experience God. I'm not saying that you can't have revivals because obviously we've had all that. We've had all of that without the foundational lens to view the rest of the world through. It's not just the way you look at you. It's the way you read scripture. It's not just the way that you read scripture. It's the way that you look at creation. It's not just the way that you look at creation. It's the way that you look at your neighbor. It's the way that you look at your your church uh, community. It is the way you look at other people. It's the lens that you view your children through. It's a lens. It is a foundational correction lens. That's why Jesus came to restore sight sight to the blind because we were looking at the entire order, the cosmos, as John says it, through a distorted lens, through the fun house mirror that we had there in a couple of our encounter things yesterday. And it was distorted. Adam and Eve through sin, sin distorted, it twisted, it made it wicked. Wicked means twisted, and everything became wickedly twisted through the, 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 not, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is all about separation from God. It's about, it's about separating our judgment from his judgment. It's about, about, about relying on our understanding and our own physical senses and our eye gates and our ear gates. It's about, it's about independence. It's about an independence from God. And it, and it, it, it infected everything. It was like, it was a sin infection. We were infected with the fall. Infected with the fall. And it distorted the way we saw everything. We now hide from God. We hide from the presence of God because we are sinners. We've been bad, bad, bad little boys and girls. And we're going to get in trouble. So we're going to run away from home. And we're going to hide from the presence of God. And we're, not, and, and we're going to cover ourselves because we're ashamed of who we are. We're ashamed. We're sinful, bad people. And we're going to sow some fig leaves and we're going to put them on. That's why there's a, that the election book has got the Adam and Eve thing on there, right? Because we ate the fruit. We ate the forbidden fruit that God, and we've been bad. And so we're going to punish ourselves. We're going to punish ourselves. We're going to cover our shame. We're going to hide from God, our dad. We're going to hide from him. And we're going to take on self-judgment, self-condemnation, separation from God, and we're going to alienate ourselves from God in our own minds. It was, a, it was an infection of the mind. It was a brain infection. And we became sick. 
We became sick with sin. We became sick with all of the fruit of sin, with poverty, with death, with uh, murder, with hatred, with all, uh, all of the, the fruit of the root, which was sin. Adam, the, the, the Adamic, the Adam, the Adam curse that came into the earth and it distorted our lens and it blinded us. It blinded us to the reality of love. It, re, it blinded us. It totally blinded us. Think about it. It, it. When Eve's eyes were opened, she did not start seeing. She stopped seeing. She stopped seeing. Her, that's, when, that's when her vision was lost. She lost vision. And that's why Jesus had to come to restore. We were blinded, blinded to the goodness of God, to the trustworthiness of God, to the kindness, to the gentleness. And we made him, we distorted him into someone he wasn't. I'll tell you, if you really want to read something, I'm not, you know, I'm a reader of, I'm okay, I've grown up. Say grown up. Okay, I've grown up. I wasn't always grown up. Okay, when you're not grown up, you get spoon fed. First, you start on milk, right? You drink your little bottle or you drink your mama's breasts or whatever, right? You're just just, totally dependent on someone else for your own nourishment, right? And hopefully, you've got a loving parent who's going to feed you nutritious meals. But unfortunately, that's not the case in the church a lot of the time. And so we are, it's not the sincere milk of the word. It's mixed milk. It's mixed with some law. And it's mixed with some performance. And it's mixed with uh, wrong views of atonement. And an angry God, a God that needed to be appeased with blood, his own blood, which makes no sense. I'm going to kill myself because I'm mad at you. I mean, it's just there's so many things that if you think it through, it doesn't make sense. But we've also been taught to be afraid to think it through. Because if you think it through and come to a different conclusion, you're a heretic. Now, this is not the way the Eastern Jewish world functions. How old was Jesus when he was arguing and debating with the religious scribes in the temple? 12, right? Could you imagine a 12-year-old coming into one of our church meetings? I have an 11-year-old daughter. But coming in here and arguing doctrine with me. (laughs) Or arguing doctrine with John Piper or, or, you know, Bible Answer Man or whoever you want to say. 12 years old. These were the religious scribes. These were the experts. These were the people that were handing down tradition, that were teaching the law. They were, these, are the, these are the guys, right? Why? It, you know why it was even allowed? Because questioning in the Eastern Jewish mindset is how you learn. I mean, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? They were having dialogues. I mean, you know, we, we, but we are, we are taught, don't question it, you heretic. 
You be a good little Christian boy and girl and you sit there and learn it and spout it back like a little robot. You know, and we, and sometimes we don't even know that. They don't say it that way. So you just, it's just what we get. That's how we, that's how we become, right? And you know why we get so triggered on Facebook? Because let's be clear, that's what's going on. It's a bunch of triggers. Everybody's triggered. What's a triggered? Well, come to Emerge and you'll learn. You learn the, the neural science behind mind renewal. You learn how our beliefs are actually subconscious and controlling us 80% of the time. We don't even know it. Our responses, our emotional responses to things. You're not even in control of it. You don't want to be mad. If you had control of whether you got mad or not, you would choose not to get mad. And you've got this lens on that just is, is feet, I'm just, there's a lot to this lens. There's a lot to this unrenewed mind. There's a lot to this, this thinking and what happened in the fall. This dead man that only lives in our, in our mind. That's the only place your, your uncrucified self exists. It is a figment of your imagination. The only thing wrong with you is your, is, is your mind. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's just the way we think. We got a thinking problem. But anyway, I'm on this tangent. Get back on track. <sighs> So at the fall, we're infected. We're infected with sins. We get, sin, we get these weirdo lenses, and now we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at everything, envy, jealousy. Every, it all comes in. It all comes in, and it enters in to the human race. Romans 5 says, through one man's offense, all died. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's Jesus. <laughs> through one man's offense, all became sinners. You know, last time I checked, you and I, I don't know, I wasn't there. I didn't eat the apple. Did you eat the apple? It's not that it's an apple, but did you eat, did anybody in here eat the apple? Did you have a choice in the matter? Did you choose to be a sinner? Well, doesn't it make sense then that Jesus had to come and do it for you as just the fair way for it to go? You were a victim. You were a victim. You were a victim of Adam's sin. And that's why you need a savior. You needed someone to save you from the consequences of what was done to you. That's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And Romans 5 is a powerful thing that compares Adam and Christ and how the offense doesn't compare at all to the grace. And, and now through one man's obedience, many have been made righteous. It's just a beautiful thing, a, a comparison. Romans 5, st- stick in it. And then go right on into Romans 6 where, you know, then you realize, wait a minute, I'm no longer a sinner because I, I died. And my relationship to sin is now broken. It's broken. It says that I have no relationship with sin anymore. Like Jesus, I reckon myself also dead to sin. And it says in the, in the Amplified, now in unbroken fellowship with the Father. But anyway, I could, there's so many little rabbit holes I could go in on this. I really want to stick to this, this distorted lens. Because the only right lens, the thing that corrects it, is what the real 
message of the gospel is. Now, I know Jesus came preaching about the kingdom, but if you don't get the kingdom message through the lens of union, you're going to have a wrong relationship with the kingdom. Okay? Every message that you get is on the foundation of Christ. Crucified. Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. But not just Jesus who we worship on the cross or Jesus who we pray to. It's Jesus that you live in. You know, Jesus said this. And here's what he exemplified. You know, he he exemplified a lot of things in his earthly ministry. But first and foremost, what Jesus was doing is he was showing us how to abide. He was living in union with the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Let's go to a couple of places just where, where Jesus was talking about union. Okay? Let's go first to... Um, uh, let's go to John, let's go to John 10 30. I'll read them. Um, but this is John 10, of course, is where Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd and he's talking about it and going down. And then in verse 30, he says, just, it's wonderful. Let me just read this. My sheep hear my voice, verse 27. And, and, and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And so, he, and then he says, I and my father are one. And he's even kind of talking through this about my hand, the father's hand. You can't get them out of my hand because you can't get them out of the father. And there's, my, my, the father and I are one. And this is really what the religious spirit can't stand. This is really ultimately what got Jesus crucified. Because he was making himself out to be equal with God. In John chapter 5, we see that. If we go back a few chapters to John chapter 5, okay, Okay, so he heals the guy by the pool of Bethesda and tells him to rise up and take up his bed and walk. So that's how the chapter opens. And then, of course, the religious people come and start asking him, who did this? Who, may, who, 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 who performed this miracle? And who's this man that said this to you? you know? And so they told the Jews about it. And so the Jews come, verse 16, and they, listen, they want to kill him because he healed this guy on the Sabbath. I mean, I don't, we read it so often. You know, I think sometimes we just become familiar, we gloss over it. But this, this, the religious spirit is the spirit of murder. It's the spirit behind the spirit of death. And Jesus answered this. He answered the guys coming to kill him. And it says here in verse 18, it says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he, was, he not only broke the rules, he broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father. 
making himself equal with God. It says, Jesus then answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even the son gives life to whom he will. So anyway, it's just this whole language in here of the father and I are one. The Father and I are one. Okay? I'm going to keep going down a little further. Um, In verse 30, and I'm going to read it to you out of the voice translation just because it's so good. Verse 30, it says... I have not ever acted and will not act in the future on my own. I listen to the directions of the one who sent me and act on these divine instructions. For this reason, my judgment is always fair and never self-serving. I'm committed to pursuing God's agenda and not my own. And what he's saying here is that I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not operating separate. I'm not operating independent. I'm, I'm, I'm completely aware, continually abiding in perfect relationship with my father. And I am on, in the father's business, doing the father's business, on the father's agenda, and we are having a good time. We're having fun, making the religious spirit mad. We're having fun, walking through the crowds. Nobody's able to kill us, you know, just, just we're having, I mean, Jesus was, he was anointed with joy above all of his brethren. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He was just having fun. He was a joyful, happy guy, turning water into wine, healing the sick, making the religious people mad. Isn't that why we enjoy John Crowder so much? Because we know it's like a little guilty pleasure. Because there's a part of you that knows we, sh- you know, this is we shouldn't be having, you know, because you're, you're still we're still battling maybe a little bit, still got a little bit of that religious nonsense going in there, and so you're just like this church can't be like Monty Python. <laughs> Monty Python is he, if y'all know who Monty Python is, right? Like he, the great, great, great comedian thing, you know. I mean, he's is it not like Monty Python, you know? And it's so good for us. It is so good for us to sit and let that religious mess come up. Come up, you know, and feel uncomfortable and, you know. I mean, one of the reasons why I make a point to roll around down on the floor and be the drunkest person in the room is because you need examples of leaders that are not afraid of what you think, number one, and need examples of leaders that are free to enjoy the beauty and fruit and vine and utter utter stupor, the stupor of the joy of the Lord. It is real. It is real. I mean, we live in a state where I can go and get high anytime I want to go. You know, 
and it, there is, and I know people say this, but there really is no high like the most high. And trust me, I started doing drugs when I was 14 years old. I, I, I dare to let anybody in here try to come and talk to me about your party days. I am an experienced high person. I am qualified, qualified to make that statement that there is no high like the most high. I'm qualified to make that statement. But anyway, I digress. The point is union. (laughs) But here's the thing. Let me go one more place just from Jesus talking about it. And I talked a little bit about this last night or yesterday whenever I talked. Uh, In John 14, um, Jesus said, I have these marked. Let me go here. Uh, Okay, in John 14, uh, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, he's talking to his disciples before he's going to the cross. And you can imagine here they've met God incarnate. They've met God. And he's telling them, I'm leaving you. And they don't understand. They're looking for a messianic king that is a natural king. They're looking for a warrior God. You know, they're not looking for a carpenter. They're not looking for this. They don't understand the gospel, right? They don't understand what's happening yet. And so Jesus is saying, he's trying to explain it. He's trying to explain, this is why it's necessary for me to leave you boys, okay? And just notice, there's no real mention of heaven and hell in any of this. See, the gospel is not an afterlife message. It is not an afterlife message. I mean, does it involve the afterlife? Yeah, because it's eternal life. But eternal life is not eternity. That is not the definition of eternal life. If you read in John 17, John 17 says, and this is life eternal, that you know the one and only true God my father and Jesus Christ. Eternal life is knowing God. And it's not, again, it's not like Oprah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a gnosko knowledge. Yeah. Does it involve the afterlife? Totally. Is Jesus coming back? Absolutely. Am I, but when we make it the focus, we miss the point. We miss the point. We miss the point of the incarnation altogether. We weren't, I mean, truthfully, I mean, we're already in hell when we don't know God. Well, we may not be burning and frying necessarily, but it's hell. I mean, do you guys, I don't know if you remember, I've been there. I remember I was manic depressive. I was bipolar by the time my mind was so messed up and distorted by the time I actually met God. I mean, met him, didn't hear about him, wasn't preached to about him, but met him, met him. For myself, had an experience with God, even though I believed. I did believe Jesus was a son of God. I did believe he died on the cross. I did believe these things, but I didn't know him. Does that make sense? So Jesus here is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going away. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. Other translations say many mansions. 
So if, the, if it weren't so, I would have told you that I'm going, I would have told you. Oh, hold on. Sorry, I'm reading it wrong. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place to where I am going. Now, we're going to stop here for a second because as a kid, I was taught that I had a mansion, I was, I had a mansion in heaven. That someday when I died, I was going to get to heaven. To me, it sounds way more like Islam than it sounds like Christianity. Like I'm going to get some big house in heaven if I'm a good girl. You know, who knows? But I'm saying, you know, like, like this is my reward. The streets are paved with gold and you're going to get a mansion. And I mean, I, I don't know what it's actually going to be like. There may be, I mean, I don't know, but I'm telling you, that's not what he's saying. What I do know, that's not what Jesus is saying here. There's probably a gazillion mansions. I probably have 50 mansions when I, you know, who knows? I mean, I'm not upset that there's mansions. I'm just saying this, that's not the gospel. What he's saying here, how many of you know when Jesus taught about casting out devils, he said when the devil leaves a a person's house, right? He goes into the wilderness, wandering in the dry places, and then he returns with seven spirits more powerful him to that house and finding the house swept clean. There's this whole, he said, destroy this temple in three days and I will build it up. So architecture, we are being built up together into Christ. Architecture is a, it's a metaphor. It's a type. So when he's talking about the father's house, he's talking about the father's body, the father's body. And in the father's house, there are many rooms. There are many dwelling places. Other translations say there are many mansions. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to put a place, a room. There's room for you in daddy's body. There's room for you in daddy's house. There's room for you in daddy's heart. There's a mansion that I'm building a place, a special, elaborate place just for you. This is where you live. This is where you abide. This is where you dwell in the father's heart, in the father's house through me. Because I'm going to prepare a place there. And then he says, and you know the way. And they're like, dude, we don't know the way. We don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I don't, really, I mean, that was pretty much the disciples the whole time, wasn't it? Like, just like, and they'd be like, I have many more things to tell you, but you can't even bear it. I bet they're thinking, we don't even understand the last 10 things you said to us, you know? <laughs> Heck, we don't. You know, we read it and it's, it's whew, sometimes, you know? And, um, and so Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And here's Jesus, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, here we think, yes, Jesus is the door. He is the door, right? But we think he's like the door to heaven. Totally separated from God. Like, I believe in Jesus, so now I'm going to go through the door of Jesus and I'm going to get in heaven. I'm in heaven. I've been saved. Life was hell, but I made it. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. Gospel, good news. Come on, everybody follow me. We're going to go to heaven someday. Right? But that's not what he's saying. You are the door into the Father. He's the door into the Father. But you know how he's the door? He's the door because you're being being put in him. The door is union with him. 
And through your union with him, now you have union with the father who he's in union with. Does that make sense? And, you know, and he's talking about it. And then if you really know me, okay, listen to this. Again, anytime you see that word know, most of the time, it's going to be the Greek word gnosko, which is a very intimate knowledge. Matter of fact, they use it as a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse and intimacy within marriage. It had a bridal component to it. It is an experiential knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge. And so when he says, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him. And you have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the father. And that will be enough for us. I mean, they just don't get it. And we, the majority of the church doesn't get it. Even today, the disciples still aren't getting it. He says, Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? These words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And then now you can actually read about greater works. Okay, this isn't because you got the Smith Wigglesworth anointing. Right? Or the Catherine Coleman mantle floated down and rested upon your shoulders. Can I say it? Okay, it's not why you get that's not why you get to do the greater works. Now I believe that the Lord is so loving and so kind and so good and so big and so amazing and so mysterious in the way He works in spite of us. You know what I mean? It, it, I mean, just in spite of us. He shows up just because we're his kids. He doesn't, you know what? I don't come to my kids. I don't hang out with my kids because they, they know everything. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't bring home gifts for my kids because they got an, you know, an A on their math test. You know, I mean, do, you know, do I want them to get A's on their math test? Yeah, but am I going to love them less because they didn't get an A on their math test? Am I going to stop fellowshipping with them because they had bad grades? Or, you know, am I going to... I'm just saying, I, I believe that's just the heart of God. The heart of God is to show up. The heart of God is to be with us. The heart of God is to heal us. The heart of God is to... I mean, he, he, he loves us. And so he just... I just think he just does it because he loves us. That's my own personal thought on it. But here's what he tells them. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. But then he tells you why. Because I am going to the Father. Now, why is it that we're going to do greater works? Because he's going to the Father. We're we're going to do greater works because when he goes to the Father, we're going to get to climb inside of God. Through the veil of his flesh, he's tearing it so that we can get inside of God. And when we get inside of Jesus, whoop, boop, ah, ah, there we are. We're also one with daddy. And we've got the full measure of the Holy Spirit because of our union with Jesus. And because of our union with Jesus, we're going to be able to do greater works than what he's been able to do. 
And I also believe one of the reasons we're able to do greater, greater works than what they were able to do is because they weren't, they, they, didn't, they weren't in Jesus yet. They weren't living in union with God yet, these guys. They were operating in delegated authority and, and some other, I, I, that's my, my, my thought on it. But I also believe they didn't have a true knowledge that came to us through the Apostle Paul which is really the understanding of the cross, the, understa- the full grasp of, of what redemption accomplished, the finished work. Paul, that's really, a, Paul really unpacked that for us. So they were just, you know, this was happening in real time. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just experiencing this. They're just living this. So it was a lot to try to take in and absorb and understand and, and you know, especially because you hadn't, been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. You know, these are, these are, these guys are working not with the same tools that we have. And he said, and then this one's crazy. He says, and then, you know, these scriptures just don't make sense apart from union. They don't. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. Like that makes no sense apart from union. Because the, He's going to be glorified in the Son. In the Son is where answered prayer happens. Prayer happens from inside of God. It's, prayer is not to find God. You've already been found. You're not looking for God. God's, God's been, God is in you. <laughs> if you're looking for God... You're going to be chasing your tail because you're going to just need to. Is you know, I mean, God's bigger than this. I get that. In Him, all things exist. In thing, all, all things are in Him. So He's bigger than this. But this is where you and I commune. This is where we find God. He says, "You will ask for me. You you may ask anything for me in my name, and I will do it." These are powerful scriptures. But here's the thing. The lens has got to be corrected so that we are communing with God, one with God. And we are reading the scriptures from that place. Do you know how many, like I I have to operate in the fruit of the spirit when I engage with Facebook. (laughs) Pray for me. I'm not kidding you. I'm really, I mean, I have to, I'm like, I could do nothing all day, but just sit up. I mean, I don't, but literally just to try to help people (laughs) with the mess. I mean, the Old Testament, the, the, the actual scriptures in the Old Testament cannot be read the way that most of people read them and quote them and do their devotions with them, right? You know, dear God, do not depart, let your spirit depart from me. That was an appropriate prayer for David. Completely inappropriate prayer for people that are in Christ. I mean, what, right? I mean, there's a, I mean, it cha- I'm telling you, what happens when you start to get this foundation, I mean, John said it perfectly when he said, it's like a little string on a sweater that when you start to pull it, holy cow, the whole sweater starts to unravel. Why? Because if the foundation is incorrect, your house is built on shifting sand. 
And that's why we're unstable. That's why when the storm comes, we're fear-filled and we uh, trials and tribulation happen, our circumstances arise, and you know, it's like we have no hope. Just fall apart. You know, we, and, and we do that because we still are not established, rooted, and grounded, and fully got that foundation on Christ. And you can't have a foundation on Christ without you being in him. Your relationship with God is an inside-out matter. I mean, this affects how we worship. It affects how we sing. It affects, it affects, every, it affects everything in our life. I mean, when you read the Old Testament, you need to read it like I'm now living in the guy that said these words. I mean, and God is constantly, constantly challenging me with this. Constantly challenging me. The ramif- like with the uh, more ramifications of what this means. Like if this is true, it means this. If this is true, this means this. If this is true, this is it. And it just gets better and more mind-blowing and more, uh, more good news, just more happy, more joy, more, more love for God, more, more, more a place to worship from, a, a motivation to preach from. Uh, you know, it just, it just fuels. It just, it, you know, you just, it, his love just starts to compel you because you just can't believe the free gift of salvation. You cannot believe what all is included in God. We got God. We got God. We didn't just get salvation from hell. We got God, and we didn't just get him. (sighs) The ramification that we got inside of God, the ramification that God got inside of us, and that everything that was wrong with us was nailed to his cross, and that somehow, mystically, vicariously, we were somehow there 2,000 years ago, and that he died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And so if he died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, he died for sins that hadn't even been committed yet because I hadn't been born yet, you know? So he's died for, he died for, for sin, for the entity of sin. He undid what Adam did. And there's just the ramifications of this. I mean, so just, I mean, let me just give you one. Just, I'm just going to give you one mind-blowing example. Okay, this is a really good one to just make the religious spirit annoyed, offended, whatever they're going to, whatever he wants to be today. Okay. And this one is from, (laughs) this one's from Haggai. Okay. Now this is taking the old Testament and looking at it through the lens, through a lens of redemption, through a lens of union and and the, the gospel, right? Reading the Bible from a Jesus Putting Jesus at the center of the Bible. Recognizing that Jesus, is all, all, the whole thing is about Jesus. And about his, granted, it, it's about covenants and the relate. It's a story of God's relationship with man throughout the ages. But it, it, it's about Jesus. The whole thing. And if you read it without a lens of Jesus, you're just going to be reading history and then, or misapplying it to your particular situation. Or totally just reading it because you need, you're supposed to read it and, and you don't understand it. Here's what it says. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth. 
But I will also shake the heavens, the sea, and the land. I will rattle all the nations and all that is valuable in the eyes of the world. And it will be willingly brought to my house. And I will see to it that it is filled to the brim with my glory. You see, all the silver and all the gold in this world already belongs to me. You will stand by and watch as the magnificence of this new house will eclipse the magnificence of my first house. And in this new house, I will give you peace. Now, if you've taught, if you've heard this preached in one place or another, they make it sound like this is a future occurrence. That someday Jesus is going to shake the nations. He's going to shake them. He's going to shake the seas. He's going to shake the da 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 da. Well, what do you think the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ did? It shook the very foundations. It's a new creation. It was a brand new creation. And guess what? The old house was the the religious house. It was the temple. It was the sacrificial system. It was the order of the law. And the new house is us in him. It's his house. It's his body. It all got sucked into him. It says, I will rent all the nations and all that is valuable in the eyes of the world will be willingly brought to my house. Where? In me. It's going to come in me. And I will see to it that it is filled to the brim with my glory. Who's that? That's us. He's going to see that it is filled to the brim with his glory. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former house. You are the latter house. You are the latter house. Why? It's God. How much more glorious can it be? Than God. It's his house. It's a reconciliation of all things to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Read Colossians. Colossians, he's the preeminent one. It is the most incredible, beautiful book about Jesus and about who he is and his authority and what he ate. Just sucked it in. He sucked it all in. He sucked it in. He became the curse. He was the scapegoat. There's a million pictures, types, and shadows in the Old Testament of what Jesus became on the cross. But here's the thing. It's going to really freak you out. The gold and the silver of the world belongs to him. Well, if it belongs to him, who does it belong to? I mean, that one just, it's already yours. You're already rich. Poverty got totally absorbed into Jesus. Was it a part of the fall? Was it a part of the curse? Was it a result of sin? Yes. Poverty was absorbed into Jesus. How do we know this? Just practically, Jesus' ministry, I mean, come on, Psalm 91, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Just the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Well, if Jesus is the good shepherd, 
Why do you think he was having Peter go and cast out his nets? Why? Because he's the good shepherd and you shall not lack. Why was he cursing the fig tree when there was no fruit on it? Well, because he's the good shepherd and lack does not exist in his presence. Is there lack in the, in the presence of God? I mean, is there lack in the presence of God? Does God deal? I mean, now can he get down into poverty? Yes. Will he dwell? Will he, he does. It takes the, the poor out of the dirt. He picks the poor out of the dirt and sets them at the table with princes. Okay. But think about how many things we do to work, to work, to earn silver and gold. Currency. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job. I'm saying your relationship with your work is totally different now. And that's just work. Let's talk about, let's just talk about, let's talk about favor. Ten steps to steward God's favor. That's going to be the, 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 the CD title of my next teaching. Ten steps to steward God's favor. And if you steward it well, you might get some more. Depends all on you and your stewardship of my favor, which totally invalidates the meaning of the word favor. By the way, (laughs) right? So whose favor do you have? Wow. 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 I have God's favor? In Christ, I have God's favor? He came to proclaim acceptable year of the Lord and the day of God's favor. But we think of ourselves over here as some recipient of your God's favor. Healing. What does this mean for healing? What does this mean for the way that we receive healing, for the way that we minister healing, for the way... Right? Because we're over here receiving healing, right? We relate to the gospels like we're the woman with the issue of blood. Trying to touch his garment. If I can just touch his garment, I'll be healed. But the point, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm being sarcastic. I'm, I'm totally being sarcastic. Trust me. I have taught healing and been leading healing and doing this for many, many years. And I have been in a journey with this and I I am not, I mean, praise God for every miracle, every way it comes. And I glory to Jesus for every bit of it. I am not dishonoring that. Just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just doing it to make a point because there is healing in his garment. If you touch him, you get healed. I mean, if you're, he'll fellowship with you outside of himself. He's okay with that. He'll meet you right where you are. Jesus is so awesome. He will come down 17 million paradigms to have a conversation with yours. 
I mean, that's what he did the whole time with his disciples. I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them because I'm about 15 million paradigms above where your little thinking is, Peter. And you're going to have to learn 17 more things before I can have this conversation with you because you still don't have a foundation. And I'm on the third story here. Am I making sense? Right? But the lens, I'm talking about the lens. I'm talking about the lens of union when you read the Bible. When you pick up the Bible and read it. When you read the Gospels, when you read the epistles, I mean, it doesn't make sense that there's no condemnation unless you say, for those that are in Christ. It doesn't make sense that you're righteous. Like some, I mean, we, 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 I didn't even understand righteousness until I got into Christ. I, I, thought, I thought I would explain it. You know, some people say it's right standing with God. Well, uh, yes, it's right standing with God. But that's the fruit of righteousness. That's not what righteousness is. Righteousness is who God is. God is righteous. God is love. God is righteous. God is perfect. God is holy. It's God's, it's God's nature. It's God's person. Right? I mean, it's, it's, there's none righteous. No, not one except for him. He's, he's righteous. You can't explain righteousness apart from God. There is no definition of righteous because he is righteousness. I mean, even in the old Testament, there was an old Testament name, you know, Jehovah said, God, our righteousness. Okay. So, I mean, but your righteousness, it, yes, it's a gift and yes, it comes by faith, but it comes through union with God. You're holy, absolutely, but he didn't just wash you from your sins and now you stand apart from him, holy, be holy as I am. Why, who can, doesn't even make sense, be holy as I am holy, unless you're in I am. It's like all of a sudden you're just like, oh my gosh, the Bible. It's about union. Right? And that's where, and when people would say the message is, you know, we do out of being. We don't be, we don't do to be. We aren't, we aren't, we aren't not sinning so that we can be righteous. No, we are righteous and therefore we aren't, we, we don't sin. Does that make sense? Is, is you get your identity straight, behavior follows. Behavior follows identity. Behavior doesn't earn identity. We aren't doing to be. But see, it doesn't make sense. I mean, like, I've, you know how many Herman sermons we've heard on that? I've heard that. Oh, that's, not, that's good, brother. Yeah, preach it. No idea how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one? Like, you get so fired up and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to be. I'm not going to do. I'm going to be. How do I be? <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> Dang. You know what I mean? It's so darn frustrating. But then when you get this Christ in us, the hope of glory, and in him, you start to get this glorious mystical union thing in, in, into your DNA and into your, uh, like that, you're like, whoa, okay, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm just awakening to what I already am. I'm just awakening to what I already am. I'm just realizing it. And I'm understanding it. 
I'm understanding it. Like, okay, this is why I'm holy. This is why I'm righteous. This is why I'm perfect. This is why I'm not a sinner. This is why, I mean, this is why I don't have a sin nature. Because I died with him. I was crucified with him. Then I was buried with him. And the life I now live, I don't live on my own. I live through the, right? I live through the faith of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. This co-crucified life, this co-buried life, this co-trans, you know, transfigured, resurrected life, this co-ascended life, this co-seated life. Where he is, we are. And you are as he is in the world, so are you. Like, I get this is mind-blowing because we live with ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, I get that, that we live with ourselves, and so it's easy to forget <laughs> because we forget we, we aren't acting like our true selves. And so we come into agreement with the false self, and we think we are how we act. We have, we have an experienced self that we've experienced. We've experienced ourselves, and we believe that's who we are. But we can't experience who we are until we find out who we are. Does that make sense? Right. So this is why mind renewal is so important. This is why, this is why I do so many activations and I do so much with enlightened eyes because I want you to see it. This is about restoring sight to the blind so that you can see it. You know how sometimes when you're taught you're in school or something, and you know you're you're you know they're doing something on the whiteboard and it's complex and you don't understand it and then all of a sudden a light bulb comes on and you're like oh I, I get it I see it right seeing it is really tied into understanding it and believing it why how do we know that it's true because I mean this is all throughout the word too I mean Peter's up on a trance I mean he's having a trance up on a rooftop with some unclean animals right and he's having this experience he's having this encounter with God that is teaching him the gospel. And he said, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. Right? So he's, he's teaching, he's getting a revelation of the gospel. And it's a, a lens, a new lens, a new way of seeing the Gentiles. A new way of seeing humanity who up until that point had been considered unclean and out aliens to the commonwealth. You know, and so he was giving them a new perspective, a new way of seeing the Gentiles. And it was Paul, Paul on the road to Damascus went blind. What was the purpose of that? What's the purpose of light? Why you got to blind the guy? You know, can't you just say, you know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I mean, couldn't you just have a conversation? Why you got to blind the guy, God? Because it's about sight. And I know right what was happening right then. His natural eyes were getting blinded. That was an undoing of what happened at the fall. Think of the revelation that man had. Think about that, the revelation that Paul had. Third heaven, 
inexplicable words, the things that Paul experienced, the, the assignment, the, the commission, the call on, God, on Paul's life to explain. He said, no man preached him the gospel. It was received by revelation from Jesus. How, how, how did Paul get that? How did this revelation come? How do we see revelation? How do we get revelation? Why even have enlightened eyes? Because experiences, experiences are what really tied into what we believe. I mean, dreams and visions are all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, God revealed purposes. He revealed strategies. He revealed identities through dreams. Why? Because it hits your subconscious mind. You know, I didn't say this, you know, but when I was, when I was in those years of meditating these scriptures and getting, you know, a revelation of revelation one, Jesus being the Jesus that lived inside of me, you know, it's a powerful thing. Cause I mean, at the end of that, Jesus, like I have the, the keys of hell. I have the keys of death. I mean, this is one powerful dude, right? That's living in me. That's living in you that we're living in. And, you know, about that time, I also started having these dreams. And it was hilarious. Like, it was like, I was like Buffy the Demon Slayer. And we're talking every single night. It was like 20 ways to cast out a devil. I mean, like, more like 20 million ways. And it would be, I mean, it was just all kinds of different demonic things in my dreams that would come and I just, I just dealt with them all night, dealt with them in Jesus name and Jesus name and Jesus name and scary Jesus. Right. Why, 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 why? Because I was getting a subconscious revelation of authority, of authority, of power, of dunamis, a supernatural revelation. Why? Well, I'm ministering in the worst, some of the worst neighborhoods in the country, probably in the world. South side Chicago, West side Chicago. You don't, you don't mess around. You do not mess around. White girl in her Mercedes. I had one then too. I was working in corporate America. Wasn't even in ministry yet. You know, and not only that, but I, I believe also, you know, just the, there's just you know, who I am, part, where I'm called to be, what I'm called to be in the king, all of that. This message killed Jesus. The message, John is, this message killed Jesus. Let's be clear. This message, the union with God message, the, this message crucified, the religious spirit killed him. And so knowing authority is pretty important, right? Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying because belief, you know, it's not that it's a, it's a work, but it is a requirement, <laughs> you know, it's a requirement, um, According to your faith, be it unto you, all things are possible. If you can believe there's a scripture that I love that says, uh, in one translation, it's a guy that's, um, I, I have it. It's Mark. I can't remember the actual reference right now, but it says it this way and I'll pull it up so you can have it. It says, become what you believe. It's just a translation of that. Become what you believe. 
Because here's the truth. You are what you believe already. Already. We're already manifesting what we believe. So when, we cha- when our beliefs are changed, when our beliefs are renewed, our lives are transformed. Our, it's the mind renewal process. Now, we don't do this on our own. You know, we're not new agers. You know, we're not, we're not working principles. You know, new agers have principles, true principles. Sowing and reaping is a principle. It's a true principle. And if you work it, it works. It's a principle. It's like gravity. Right? It works. But we're working, we're not working principles. We're living in a person. We're living in a person. We're abiding in a vine. And I want to read a scripture to you. I meant to read it to you earlier. It's a really great scripture. I've been teaching out of it a lot um, on Sundays. And it's it's from Romans 8, and it's um, out of the message translation. And here's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful translation. Now, I want, I want the first three words, we could meditate on a whole nother year. Here's what it says. Well, I'll say maybe one, two, three, six words. Well, let me see this. Let me just say the six. This resurrection life you received from God. This resurrection life you received from God. What does that even mean? I've received a resurrection life from God. Okay. Now let's let's say here is what it says. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. Now that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It says we know who he is, and we know who we are. Father and children. And we know what's going, we know we're going to get what's coming to us. Now, man, when you read that, We've been taught, spirit of real, you're going to get what's coming to you, girl. You're going to get what's coming to you, boy. You better get home. You better get in this kitchen. Get what's coming to you. Right? Here's what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. And I love the fact that he used unbelievable. (laughs) That that, that is so appropriate. It's funny because... I, you know, when we, part of emerge is you discover your why and you have to write it. By the time you're done with this cue, which is one of the questions, why am I here? You have to actually write it in like a sentence and you can't say, it can't be a paragraph and I sit in here and I'm, I'm critiquing it. And if I don't, you know, we're, we've got Holy Spirit. We're working together to get this thing down. And you heard Rachel's, right? I am alive to, to you know, about the splendor of God. And Sandy did, you know, she elaborated a little bit more on hers than just her sentence. But if I asked her to do a sentence, she'd be able to tell you, I'm here to reveal God's heart, whatever it is, something like that. Well, mine is about the unbelievably good 
unbelievably good goodness of God. And I like the idea of this unbelievable stuff. Because you know what? Here's the deal. The gospel is unbelievably good. This is an unbelievably good inheritance. Now, this, the idea that this is unbelievable. Now, first of all, you have to be like, well, Shalise, if it's unbelievable, why would we be asked to be asked to believe it? Well, the reason it's unbelievable, guys, is because we have nothing else to compare it to. Okay? Because we are taught to be cynical. We, are, we, are, we live in a world where you cannot trust things that are given to you for free. Nothing in life is free. I mean, right? And if you believe that, I have an oceanside front property to sell to you in, in Tucson, Arizona. You know what I mean? Like, we're taught, better be careful. Better be careful. You'll get taken. And it's true. How many emails do you get in a week about your, you know, this inheritance you got over in the sheik from Saudi Arabia? $20 million. Just send us your bank account number and we'll put it right in your bank account. Right? I mean, do you guys get those? I get those all the time. Right? Well, of course. That's an unbelievable inheritance and we should not trust it. But with God, it's true. But we're having to be, we got to, that's why this, this is like inexpressible, inexpressible joy, full of glory. I mean, it's, it's inexpressible. It's unbelievable. It's immeasurable. We have all these words that our little minds don't know how to process, right? We are, it's free. What do you mean it's free? Nothing in life is free. What do you mean favor's free? What do you mean healing's free? What do you mean money's free? What do you mean, you know, good relationships are free? What do you mean heaven is free? What do you mean, I mean like, till, till, till? I mean, you know, surely we got to work for something. Surely we got to deserve something. Surely we have to do something. We got to do something. We got to do something. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And that's, I think, why Jesus gave a different answer to everybody that asked. You ever notice that? Like some had to give everything away. Some just had to believe. You know, I mean, like, what must we do to, you know, receive eternal life? And it was, you know, I, how do you even make sense of that? Because you can't do enough. Am I making sense? Okay. So the point here is, what's the point? The point there's a lot of points in there, was there? I was like, how do I summarize that whole thing into just one point? It's unbelievably good. How do you do that? You know, you can't. You can't summarize it into one. There's a lot of points. Uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of points. And the Holy Spirit is absolutely about the business of confirming who you are. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so those of you that want to do the activation and we want to stay, stick around for that, and um, we're going to do, in this activation, we're going to experience the Trinity. We're going to experience the Trinity through our union with Jesus. Okay, that's, what we're, that's where we're headed. And, you know, it's funny because, well, I won't, I'll, I'll tell you after. That's fine. All right. All right, so let's turn off the lights, Heath. And um, let's just get into a place of contemplative prayer.
And if you need to go, feel free. You're blessed. You're amazing. We love you. Thanks for coming. And I just release a, a just a very solid foundational establishment of the things that you've heard this weekend. I'm going to pray for everybody real quick because in case we're leaving, um, this is just, just, I just pray that the Holy Spirit's just going to work this out. He's going to work this out in you and you're going to, you've started the journey and he's going to finish it because he starts what he finishes. I mean, he finishes what he starts <laughs> and he does start what he finishes because it was finished before he started it. So that's a true statement actually. So yeah. <laughs> I love it when I'm brilliant by accident, which is most of the time. <laughs> I'm not really smart like John. Awesome. All right. Well, beloved Holy Spirit, we just we just release you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, and uh, we just release just an impartation now and the enlightenment of eyes and hearts and imaginations in Jesus name and thank you Jesus thank you Jesus all right well I just want you to imagine this is just for fun we're just going to go this way that's what I heard the Holy Spirit say we could could go a million ways he just said let's just go this way it's fun so and for whatever I'm seeing it it, it, I'm sure it has to do with with James here because I'm seeing us in like this wheat field So imagine that you're in a wheat field, okay? You're in a wheat field and it's just harvest as far as you can see. It's harvest, harvest, harvest. Everywhere's harvest. Everywhere's harvest. And the the fields are swaying with the wind and it's the wind of the Spirit, It's the wind of the Spirit. And you can feel the breeze on your face and your hair and on your body. But it's also, you can feel it blowing through you. It's blowing through you. Like you're just translucent or transparent and it's just flowing, blowing through you. And as it's blowing through you, it's... It's mixing with the presence of Holy Spirit that's already in you. And so you're exhaling it. You're inhaling it. You're breathing him in. You're exhaling him out. And you're, he's flowing through you. He's flowing over you. It's it's almost like you are his harvest too. (laughs) You're part of the harvest. But he's in the harvest. (laughs) And it's just this beautiful picture of just oneness and And now the wind is changing a little bit. It's visible. It's becoming visible with kind of like this rainbow light that's blowing. It's it's 
the wind, but it's rainbow light. And it's coming in you and it's over you and it's breathing out of you and breathing into you. It's glory. Water's also coming up somehow from the ground. So the water's rising, and you're just, it's a warm rain. But you look at it closer, and it's also got light, and it's also got this rainbow thing in it. But it's rising. It's rising color and light and wind and water. And now your shoulder deep. <laughs> and it's rising to your chin. And oh my goodness. You can breathe in this water. And you just allow it to just immerse you completely. And the water level rises. And you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. sudden it's like the water seems to be going in a current almost like someone opened up a floodgate or something <laughs> and you're being swept along in the current of this river that's coming and flowing and flowing and flowing until finally you find yourself coming out into the throne room of God And the river goes and flows. It's the river of life. And you are now kind of floating on this river and you see, you turn and you see the Father. And that river was flowing from within the Father. The harvest was in the Father. And seated at his right hand is the uncreated but incarnate one, Jesus, King of Kings. And he grabs your hand and he pulls you right to himself 
the Father and the Son are they're holding hands, laughing. They're watching a John Crowder video. this exchange of power and glory that's happening now between the Son and the Father and the Spirit and it's flowing in you and there's this feeling of union and oneness and perfect everything and you can flow in this current of power and glory and light and just experience the father's heart and sit with him go swim in the river that flows from him John Crowder's library. You're filming the video with him. Because we're members of one another too. Joy, 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 inexpressible joy in this place. <laughs> drink it in, just drink in the joy because the water is wine. Ha, 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 ha. 
Breathe it in. Drink it in. <laughs> it's divine wine. Divine wine. Divine wine. And you're in the vine. You're in the vine. Whew! Spirit has a sense of humor, doesn't he? seem to do it. Ah, so, but thank you for all that you are and all that you've done and all that you're doing. And thank you for bringing us together this weekend. Thank you for meeting us, teaching us and experiencing Experiences that you gave us. Thank you. And thank you for changing our minds and leading us into truth and for guiding us here and guiding us out. <laughs> thank you that it's as simple as saying, What's next, Papa? Thank you that we don't have to have anything figured out and that we can hear your voice. I, Lord, I just thank you that there's a new place, 
of communion and intimacy with you after this weekend for everybody that came or everyone that will be listening to the podcast. I just thank you that there's just a new level. There's a new level of communion. There's a new level of just not, it's not a new level of union. That's all done, but it's a new level of awareness of our union. And so therefore we're experiencing greater communion, greater, we're experiencing greater, greater things. And Lord, I thank you for uh, just continued manifestations of healing and that signs and wonders are following this word because they're following the people that are believers in this place. And so I release these people, Father, into signs and wonders. I release them into miracles of all kinds and manifestations of all kinds, Father. Uh, Just manifestations, fruit that comes from abiding. And I just release them, Father, into greater uh, knowledge than even what they, they just, this is just more, just more uh, understanding, more uh, wider awake. I, I just wider awake, a greater awakening, more awareness and grace, grace. Just, I just, we, we receive grace. We just, we say grace, 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 grace. Thank you for grace, 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 just grace. We rest in grace. We rest in your grace. Oh, and we just bless John. We bless worship, Mom, Father. We thank you for the seeds that have been sown this weekend but with their time and their gifts, Lord. And I thank you that you're the, re- you're just, you're God. You've got crazy blessings in mind for them, surprises. And uh, they're going to reap, reap from their service of beautiful service this weekend and we just um, we receive what belongs to us in Jesus name we receive it we receive it, we enjoy it, we experience it we've got it, we got it we got it, we got it, we got it we got what we need, we have it, we have it we have what we need, we have everything we need we have everything we need, right now right now, we have it all, we have it all We have it all. You have it all. You have it all. You have it all. You have it all. Right now, you have it all. And so we leave satisfied. But we'll take another drink. We have taste for some more. Yeah, it's been a good drink, but yeah, one more is okay. Maybe after that. Maybe another one after that. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Twist our arm. Yeah. We'll keep drinking. <laughs>